Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by the wonderful Paul Mescal to talk all about his latest movie, After Sun. And I wanted to start by talking about your initial self-tape that you ended up sending in because you were in the midst of filming God's Creatures. Um, and I love the detail that it was, in essence, you dancing around the kitchen, smoking a cigarette, but also at the same time, not really dancing and and to Blur's song too. And so I was just interested in, you know, how a directive like that for what a self-tape was going to look like started to give you an idea into the world of, of how Charlotte Wells, the, the writer and director of this film, was envisioning telling the story and how that really helped as you were looking at the script pages that you had at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like with uh, the, the the audition process that Charlotte put in place was indicative of her process in general. I think I'd never been asked to audition in that way. It was non-verbal, it was long form. It was um, exactly how I think she likes to direct in general. And I think it took a pressure off kind of like going straight into dialogue straight away. Straight away. It gives you an opportunity to um, sit with a character or sit with the character as, as the actor on the side of it. it's like a four minute song or something like that so um, yeah it's kind of it takes a leap like it takes a second to kind of go okay I'm going to just commit to this and ultimately I really enjoyed it yeah I really love that. And then, you know, I know that it was kind of very traditional in terms of there being a chemistry read with you and Frankie Corio, who plays the younger version of Sophie throughout the majority of the film with you. Um, how did Charlotte really instigate just this dynamic between the two of you? Because it, it it feels like it's it's less about going through the scenes together in the time that you probably spent off screen and more just about really building this intrinsic dynamic in the way that we watch the two of them throughout the movie. Yeah. Uh, are, are, are you referencing the kind of time that we might have spent with each other prior to filming? Yeah. yeah. So that we, we got to kind of spend two weeks with each other before we started turning over. And that, look, I think in, in an ideal world, that would be built into any um, filming process for me if I had my way. But I was really grateful for it in this instance, because essentially you're trying to the minute you start filming, that relationship has got to believable. It's got to be believable. It's, it's not something that you can kind of build into and kind of land there at week three. Ultimately, the 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 the, the power of the film is in the believability. I think of this father daughter relationship and all its kind of colors that it's presented in. So those two weeks were just invaluable. We would normally have Charlotte for about two hours in the morning in those weeks, and then. Charlotte Goff and Reckies or um, the kind of any, like the, 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 the intensive two weeks that any director has before two weeks. I, I don't really know what they do, but uh, we then myself and Frankie got to hang out and just build that relationship with time. I think like we did the usual things of like swimming in the pool. So actually her parents were really generous in, allowing me to have a certain degree of responsibility with her for a couple of hours a day like they would hand her over to me and we would go down to the beach and 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 hang out and order food together and ultimately I think that it's all like it's imperceptible to me until we got onto set that I was like that those two weeks I don't think that the the relationship would have been established if we didn't have that time 
I mean, especially because in, in filming, obviously, I think she could only work about four hours a day, um, rightfully so. And so how did that cause you to need to be very judicious in terms of the way that you and Frankie were filming scenes and, and stepping into the moment together when you were on set, knowing that you didn't have a finite amount of time together throughout each day and with how many scenes there are throughout the film with just the two of you? Yeah, I think that was always the that was the pressure point of the film creatively, I think. And I think Charlotte was so brilliant at navigating that as best as you possibly can. I don't think there's enough time in the day in any point whenever I filmed anything, but I definitely felt the pressure of time um, on this one in particular. But but ultimately it comes down to like, you can't, you, we ultimately, we never felt liberal with time. So there's a kind of, you're kind of leading with your gut instinct. Like if Charlotte felt like it was got, it was got because it buys you more time with Frankie at the end of the day. So you kind of, the stopwatch starts and you kind of feel it like trickle away for the rest of the day. But I think again, to reference those two weeks before, that bought us a lot of kind of shorthand time in terms of how we were able to communicate with each other, how we were able to um, jump into a kind of feeling of intimacy pretty quickly. Yeah. And when you first even met and sat down with Charlotte to talk about the film, I know she said that you'd already read the script, you know, at least three times when you were sitting there. And especially for a film like this that has so much subtext between all the lines of dialogue, um, how was that a really helpful tool for you in really spending that time and doing such a deep dive on the script before you went into conversation with the with the director? Yeah, I think that's um, the only way you can really approach the work as an actor, I think. If you think about it, like if you do the maths and there's a script like that and you assume that any actor worth their salt would be interested in talking about it, it's like the only control you have is how you articulate your response to reading it. And 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 I was incredibly passionate about the drop in the first time that I read the script, but I was like, I think if I can read this as much as I can before I sit down and talk with her about it, it'll help things in my favor, in, in my favor. And like I've heard from directors before that you'd be surprised how often that happens that they sit down with an actor and they haven't read the script so yeah I think it's a it seems pretty obvious but it's a good tip is just if you're going to meet the director read the script <laughs> you know um but but I think you're right in saying that there was a there was there is something that is that you benefit from with a script like this by reading it multiple times, especially when you're trying to be articulate straight off the bat. So, um, yeah, it, it was definitely useful to read it a couple of times over the weekend before I met her. I mean, in, in terms of the conversations that the two of you had as well, one of the things that's so beautiful in this film is the way that it feels like this encapsulation of a memory um, through the way that Charlotte's directed it. And so I was interested from the scope of your performance, if the two of you talked about, tonally where that needed to land and how it needed to feel for the audience knowing that in essence they're looking at Sophie's memory of what this vacation was like in a lot of ways when it's the two of them together but then also still having those moments where we do see Callum by himself and and if there was any difference between those two moments for you. There was something different in the approach I suppose simply due to the fact that normally when we were filming stuff with just Callum we had more time because we, there wasn't the pressure of having to shoot Frankie out or, or, or that once like that referencing the time, the kind of time pressure that I mentioned earlier. 
But in terms of playing a memory or playing into that idea, that was something that I handed over to Charlotte in terms of the tone of the film and her direction of the film. I think from my side in conversations that we had is that it had to feel present tense. All of the moments, even the ones that are kind of, it could be argued that they're like fabricated memories because there's no way that Sophie could remember Callum crying on the side of the bed. That's, I feel like that's a, a creation to a certain extent, but that still has to feel authentic and real and present for it to be um, effective. So I think a lot of my approach to it was making it feel present tense and letting Charlotte work her magic on informing that with a kind of visual language of memory. Yeah. And there's so many lovely tactile moments between the two of them that really speak to their relationship with one another and also just like who he is as a dad and the extreme love and care and tenderness that he has for his daughter. You know, whether he's just kind of like quietly untying her shoes on the bed or she's resting her hand on his. Um, were all of those sorts of gestures and moments throughout the script or were there elements of that that you were finding through the rehearsal process and through the production process? I th I'm nearly sure and I, I think it's probably ended up being both both things were probably true like the the taking the shoes off and the kind of applying cleanser to each other's face is definitely written written in but I think what we discovered is that if an intimacy didn't exist between myself and Frankie they would look like hollow gestures I think there was I don't know there's something incredibly heartwarming or devastating or very just very full emotionally when Sophie is cleaning Callum's face and all of those moments kind of break my heart in the film because they're so gentle and so full of love and care and attention to the other person that I think is was definitely for the most part scripted but I think what we were lucky to be able what we, what we were lucky to be able to imbue it with was a kind of an intimacy that existed between myself and Frankie just through whatever chemistry gods were looking down at us they they, they were I, I feel like they were generous with us and what were some of the differences in filming those scenes in the earlier part of the film? Because obviously you're literally encumbered by the cast on your arm at, at that point. So you have to kind of find different ways to, to work around moments like that. Yeah, the, the cast was frustrating. <laughs> it's not a practical prop, but I think that's the, the, the joy of it is that it places a natural barrier in terms of making things just more difficult. It's harder to take off somebody's shoes. It's harder to light a cigarette. It's uh yeah, it, it's um, yeah, but I also think it just serves a wonderful purpose. It kind of like uh, what's the the Chekhov's gun thing? It's like well, how did that happen? And it's never truly explained. I don't know if that's the right analogy for it, but you, you know what I mean. Like it's it's presented to an audience, but we never really find out how it how it happened to them. I mean, the same way that, that that's an element of an obstacle. There's also moments where Charlotte's filmed scenes where there's kind of physical distances between the two of you like when he's in the bathroom trying to cut off his cast with nail scissors mm -hmm. and they're talking through the wall or they're talking through a phone booth with one of them inside and one of them on the outside um what what was kind of the space for scenes like that where there's almost a physical distance but there's still that connectivity through the dialogue that they're always continuing to have with one another 
Yeah, I think that's the nature of intimacy, right? I think we can assume or we assume most of the time that that is when we think of like intimacy in films, I think we think about it like close and uh, in proximity. And I think like what I what I really enjoy about the film is that I think one of the most intimate scenes is one of the ones you're referencing is when Sophie's asking why Callum says I love you to Sophie's mom. And he's totally focused on and action but there's a there's just like the way that they talk to each other is so informed by um it's just referencing a a really strong pre-established relationship so um yeah i think intimacy intimacy is presented in the film in very different ways throughout it and in a moment like that where his daughter's asking about him still saying I love you to his ex even though they're not together anymore mm-hmm. you know was also so telling in terms of just the way the film gives you just enough information but never spoon feeds you but from your perspective you're obviously carrying a lot of internal weight through this performance and so how in depth would you be getting with yourself in terms of how much details do I need or want or need to create in terms of what was that relationship dynamic? What did it look like? How do they function as co-parents together outside of this vacation and the space where we're seeing him, even though you're not necessarily giving the audience all those details and facts in dialogue? Yeah, I think that's the job. I think that's my favorite part of the job is when you get to keep little secrets from an audience, but ultimately you give them the information required kind of without speaking it. I think that there's, I'd argue that I think it's clear to me without Callum explaining it, that him and um, Sophie's mother have a very healthy relationship. And that was really refreshing to me when I read it. It's not something that I think we see often that like the single dad or the single parent is pining for something that happened before in life. And I don't think that's true of Callum's relationship with Sophie's mother. And that's just one example, but I think that's fundamentally the job of the actor is to kind of do the detective work about the psychological landscape of what's going on for those characters. Even if it's never explained, even if the character never comes out and says, I'm thinking this because I feel why, but it's, 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 it's more with this film in particular, I think all of those answers and questions even like beneath the surface. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's, a way of working that is really enjoyable to me. And and it really strikes the balance of your performance is always giving us enough that we never feel like we're lacking information or we're lacking details because like you said, we get the essence of what that dynamic is between the two of them. And that's just, just one example. Did you and Charlotte talk at all about any moments of really finding that balance of just making sure that even if the audience didn't have the specific details that they emotionally had enough to to drive off of and really finding how much you wanted to make sure they knew and received? Yeah, I think that was something that I totally deferred to Charlotte on. I trusted her innately as a filmmaker to judge that passing of information. And I think she's a master of that. I think that she has reduced it down to the like bare minimum of like, I, I don't think it's a film about information or the passing of it. I think it's a film about feelings. So ultimately I was just trusting her that enough information would pass, but that it was my job to make the feeling or the emotional 
landscape of Callum feel authentic and real. And yeah, a lot of trust goes into that, but it was, it's very easy to trust Charlotte. I think the minute you meet her and you hear her talk about how she approaches the work, I, I, I never thought about it for a second after that, whether I should be aware of that. I just trusted that that was going to be something that she had total control of. I really love that. And and going back to what you were mentioning just before, the, that one of the aspects that was really refreshing, um, you know, is kind of that it, it gives you just enough information and, and it has this kind of healthy dynamic with his ex. Um, mm-hmm. And it also felt really refreshing to watch a dad who's got such tenderness and, and care and love. You know, this isn't a story about an absent father, about a terrible father. It's about a really great loving dad who's just trying to do the best in the day to day. Um, and was that one of the things that that initially even attracted you to the role? And how did you want to make sure that you were really capturing and honoring that throughout the film? Yeah, I think there's a lot in that. I think the the one of my immediate draws to the character was I think it subverted a trope that I'd seen before of the absent dad that you mentioned, that the kind of like dead beast all of those kind of cliches that you might assume would exist with something like this. But I, I, I would argue that I don't think there's any of that visible in the film. I think myself and Charlotte talked about, I think the best thing that Callum is in the world is how he fathers Sophie. I think, of course, he fails at certain moments within the film, but I don't think that's a failure of his like parenting style. I think that's just a failure of him struggling with his identity as a young man. And I think he's proud of Sophie. I think he's proud to be her father. I think all of these things like enrich and, or they, or they yeah, they, they make the film feel rich to me and, and different and kind of individual. Um, and so the second part of that question was how we went about, what was the second part of the question, sorry? Um, yeah, yeah, it was like kind of that being <laughs> that being part of the appeal and how you wanted to really like capture and honor that throughout the film as well. Yeah, I think I think it was I, how we captured and honored that, I think, is just by remembering, or for me, remembering that that was a major draw to me wanting to be in the film, was capturing the the dad that I think Callum is and was and wanted to be. And I think if you do that. I think it makes it all the more painful when we see him fail at something that he wants to be good at. Um, yeah. And and speaking of of that that element and that dichotomy within him of of really wanting to achieve certain things, but that kind of not always coming to fruition. There's something really heartbreaking about the way that he talks about his ambitions in life and the things that he wants. And so yeah. you get this essence of none of it's really been coming together. And even there's the moment where you know, he offers to pay for singing lessons for his daughter. And she's like, I know that you don't have the money, you know, stop offering things that you can't afford and you don't have the money for. So she's also very aware of that as well. Um, What was some of the emotional space that you found in him as a character with a lot of the weight that he's carrying being from the outside world back home, outside of this vacation where he does have hopes and dreams, but he just hasn't figured out how to achieve them for himself yet. Well, to put it simply, I think that's where the tragedy of the film lies and the tragedy of Callum lies. And like one of the kind of references for me was actually like Willie Loman and Death of a Salesman, kind of his delusional aspiration. And I think Callum is less delusional than that. But I think like the kind of reference of uh, I talked to Charlotte about it when we were kind of in prep and talking about the character. It's like, I think 
Calm's the kind of person that will pick up a book and read the first 20 pages and doesn't finish anything. I, I think he like struggles to see tasks through. Like he, when Frank, when Sophie asks uh, Callum about the cafe, he doesn't remember it because it doesn't occupy, nothing is really actualized, you know? Um, so I think that's where you're seeing somebody who has these ambitions for who he wants to be, but something it's not adding up and it's I think incredibly upsetting to watch as a result at certain moments and he's also at this real crossroads in terms of you know he became a dad fairly young and so there's this mm-hmm. element of his youthfulness and we see that through the way that you're watching other people on vacation who are closest to his age and the, the experience mm-hmm. that they're having against him there as a young dad um And at the same time, there's also real maturity to him, which we see through a lot of his parenting. And there's a parallel to Sophie as well, where she's kind of at this cusp of childhood and adulthood. Um, And so how did you view that crossroad of of just the relationship that he has between the youthful side of himself and him kind of as a fully fledged adult and as a father? Mm -hmm. Well, well, I think it's like there's two concurrent, like coming of age tales happening at the same time. Like the more obvious one or the one that we've, maybe more accustomed to seeing is that kind of being on the precipice of like adolescence, which we see in Sophie in such rich territory. But I think what Charlotte has captured so subtly and kind of gracefully is like, you are seeing like a young man who's an excellent father, but I think is less secure of his place in the world. And is still coming of age in that regard. Like he's still figuring out what space he's supposed to occupy but he's also reached the moment in his life where it's expected that he should know that already. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think he he does. And that's where that kind of, I think, maybe the seed of his depression or mental health crisis is exacerbated from. It's like, I don't really know. I'm speaking as him now. It's like, I don't really know what to do. I don't think he knows what to do. Um, and that's putting it very simply. And I think that manifests itself in a kind of sometimes self-destructive behavior or um, putting himself before Sophie or, yeah, they, they, they kind of, that attitude results in kind of behavior that I think he's not proud of. And it's really, it's really heartbreaking as well to watch that dichotomy between the moments where he's by himself, everything that's weighing on him, and then the way that he really tries to suppress that inside of himself and to not let Sophie into that side of him. But there are moments where it still kind of comes to fruition. Like if we take the moment where she signed them up for karaoke and he's just not in an emotional space where he can stand up on stage and sing in front of a group of strangers, even though it's for his daughter and ends up watching her singing by herself um and I thought that was a really beautiful moment for the space that he's in and so heartbreaking to watch did you always have a sense of of where those cracks would exist for him emotionally where as much as he tries to keep it underneath the surface it still doesn't always stay there for him yeah I think it's it was there in the script from it always made sense to me why he doesn't get up to sing karaoke with her and it's not because he doesn't want to it's just I physically can't I think there's a at moments a real strong self-hatred I don't think he likes himself particularly like another moment that springs to mind is him spitting at himself in the mirror and it's not because he's 
I feel like he, in that moment, Sophie is describing to him what sounds like depression. She's like, you know, and you just have the nicest day ever and you come back and you feel like your bones are heavy. And I think he feels responsible in that moment for passing it on. And of course, that's not the way depression works, but he's in a position where his kind of loathing of himself, he feels responsible for that. And that's just so you kind of want to shake him and be like, it's okay. It's not that it's not your fault. You're doing like, uh, you kind of just want to hold, hold him for a second, just tell him that he's doing an amazing job because he is for the most part. But, the, but that, yeah, again, that's kind of, the, I think the film is effective, yeah. And because you kept bringing up the word pressure there, I did want to ask about the the scenes throughout the film towards the end with the song Under Pressure, because yeah. um, they're so brilliant, you know, and even just the beginning essence of with Frankie, with the younger Sophie, where he's kind of trying to lure her onto the dance floor and it's just giving complete absolute dad moves and there's kind of that yeah. comedic sense to it um how did how did kind of like that dynamic of what it looked like with him being like no we're gonna have a great time it's gonna be really fun and just like dancing like an absolute dad in that moment come together well like i've took great joy in the act of embarrassing frankie i think it was a maybe a glimpse into the future uh, uh, it made me understand why i think dads like being embarrassing it's, it's fun um I don't know. I, I like how devoid of vanity he is in that moment. And there's just something, when I watch it, it makes me smile. Um, I can remember Frankie's face when I would do that. Um, yeah. The, the little, like the hip thrust move was a discovery that was particularly useful if I ever needed to embarrass Frankie. It was, it was a, my go-to. And then in, in the other end of the spectrum, at that point in the film, there's kind of the dance rave scene that we've seen flickers of throughout the film. And then there's a moment where we see you and Celia Ralston Hall, who's playing the older version of, of Sophie mm -hmm. in the film. And, and I love that Charlotte intentionally cast her in part because she is a dancer and a choreographer. Um, and it sounds like that scene came together much later in filming as well. What what was the journey of the, the choreography and the, the specificity of what that needed to tell us about character their relationship the idea yeah. of reflection because there's so many things coming through and just these instant flickers of, of frames in the film yeah well the, i feel like that uh, was one of my favorite days filming because it felt like its own thing it was it's its own it, it's kind of working off its own set of rules like i think it's incredibly expressionistic like you're putting an adult sophie in a room with maybe a man that she didn't get to meet in that context. So you've kind of free reign in terms of it feeling like a, it reminded me of like drama school, like movement class. It's like, you're expressing something non-verbally, you're expressing kind of, I remember one of like, how we approached those moments, especially when they come together, like it builds to a moment where they connect on the, during the rave scene and I remember the notes being quite simple. It's like Sophie's desire to hold on and to, and to put her father at ease. And for Callum, it was a desire to escape that feeling and to get away from that. And that's so sad. Like it's not, he, it's, it's like he doesn't want to be comforted maybe because he doesn't feel like he deserves it in that moment and getting to express that non-verbally and through 
bodies, I think, is a really effective way of doing that. I mean, it's it's such a beautiful film and I love all the emotional complexities that it explores within these these dynamics. So congratulations on everything with the movie so far. And thank you so much, Paul. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank you.